Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Silent Night. Uh, I've been thinking about that song. This series we're going to do is actually, you got to be careful how you say it, it's Silent Nights. And I did it that way on purpose, and I'll explain in just a minute. But I I read back through the lyrics of this song, and and I've got some issues with this song. Um, It says, Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. That wasn't the delivery scene uh, in in my family. Uh, All is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, because, you know, if it was Jesus, he didn't cry. Um, Sleep, heavenly peace, sleep, heavenly peace. Okay. Now, Silent Night, the song, is one of the most popular Christmas songs of all time. In fact, it falls into the top 100. Um, But I'm not sure... That as beautiful a little tune and song as it is, that is very accurate. I've come to the conclusion that when you begin to think about what took place on the night that Jesus was born, it, it probably, this song probably doesn't capture the nature of what really took place. We stylize the moment. In fact, what we do is we superimpose like White Christmas on the top of Silent Night, not even realizing that they probably didn't have snow in Israel at that time. Uh, they don't have a lot of snow there. Uh, and and, and, there, and, and, and the, the, the shopping malls weren't all decorated with Santa Clauses and all that. We, we stylize our own uh, concept of Christmas on top of what took place that night. But when you think about that and, and, and you don't stylize it with your preconceived notions of Christmas and you don't hang mistletoe over the trough that Jesus was laying in, when you think about it in the natural, it probably wasn't a silent night. Just stop and think about the birth scene that takes place on that first morning, uh, first evening, whatever time of day it was. You think about that natural picture. It wasn't silent. I mean, you stop and think. There were sheep, and there were cows, and there were probably donkeys, and maybe some chickens, and they were in a stable, and they were in a stable in a full city. Think about that now. There's people everywhere. It's not a silent scene. And then on top of that, there's childbirth, labor with no meds, no epidurals, no doctors all in masks and all sterilized and clean. No meds. Okay, let me tell you the situation. There were no meds. None. First time mom, first time birth in a stable with no meds. Okay, some, see the guys don't even understand. But, 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 but. And then on top of all that, after labor, now there's a baby. And I don't know what it was like when your son or your daughter was born, but when my boys were born, it was not a silent night. And there certainly wasn't any sleep, heavenly peace, man. Sleep ended forever for the next two years. So in the natural, it was not silent. 
But not only in the natural, in the supernatural it was not silent. When you think about the picture of what takes place, you think about the fact that on this night, the Savior of all mankind was being birthed in the skin. And, and, and literally what was taking place was what John talks about. He, says, he said that, that, that uh, God was literally moving into our neighborhood it was not a quiet or a silent night spiritually. There were angels singing. There were stars shining. It was, a, it was if, if anything, it was the loudest night in history because the Savior was being born. So this night was not silent. What was silent, what was silent was this. Catch this now. What was silent was the silence that took place before this night. Let me see if I can explain. I, I want to, if you've got your Bible, if you don't have your literal Bible, I know some of you don't bring it because like you put you watch on screen and, and some of you use your phones and some of you I get all that. I do the same. I don't I carry my iPad now. But maybe in front of you in the in the, the rows in front of you there is a literal, you know, one of those things they call a book. Uh, that, that's right there. It's like a, it's an actual Bible. Would you get that out? I, I want us to go to our text this morning, and I want to read to you and see if I can explain what, what I'm trying to emphasize about Silent Night. So, so you got your Bibles out. I want you this morning to turn to the page between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to read our text from there. Go ahead and turn to right where the Old Testament ends, the last word spoken in the Old Testament, and in between that and the first word spoken in the New Testament. All right, here it is. We're going to put it on the screen for those of you that don't have it. Go ahead, Teresa. Here's our text for this morning. There it is. That's it. Because what we recognize is that there is nothing spoken at this moment. In fact, what some of you may not know this, but... but the, the reason there's no text is because what we are actually hearing when you read the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with their various levels of description about the birth of Christ, what you are literally reading is not about silent night. What you're reading is a, an account of God breaking silence because you are stepping into the story from Malachi to, to Matthew and in particular into Luke where the, where the first account is given. You are literally stepping into a period of 400 years of consistent, constant, and deafening silence. From the last word spoken in Malachi until the breaking onto the scene of Jesus in skin for four hundred years nothing is heard from God I need that to sink in you think about that just a moment four centuries of silence no word no divine interruption no prophet nobody stands up and says thus saith the Lord there is literally nothing being heard from God God holds the record for every quiet game ever played he is hands down the undisputed champion of champions of the silent treatment. Some of you late, never mind. Um, y'all think y'all got it down pat, and you think you can get us to respond, but the truth is, is you can't hold a candle to God because God was absolutely silent, didn't say a word, didn't reveal himself through spoken word for 400 long years. Isn't it ironic, or maybe I should is it, say, is it ironic to anybody else that the most powerful voice in the universe 
also seems to be the quietest and the most difficult to hear. God's silence. See, we've glamorized and we've romanticized the night, that, that night that Jesus was born as a silent night. We love to sing the song about it and we think about it in that manner. But my, I, I don't have any problem with you singing silent night. My problem is this, that when we begin to deal with God, for most of us, we don't endure a silent night. We come face to face with silent nights. Plural. Long periods of silence. And rather than entering the account of the interruption that w of silence where, where Mark and Matthew and John and Luke all interrupt the silence and say, Jesus is here and he's speaking to us. And, and instead of finding ourselves in a, in a moment where God is so audible, most of us find ourselves rather trapped between Malachi and Matthew in periods of silence. We... we we feel like we're being given the silent treatment. Uh, we try to listen. We, we try to hear. God, I want to hear your voice. I, I, I pray longer. We beg for answers. We ask others to pray with us. And silence wraps around us until we begin to fear that God is not only silent, God is gone. Anyone been seeking God for an answer and the only response you hear is nothing? For weeks? For months? For years? There are literally people in this room and watching over the internet that could testify and say, I haven't heard God say anything to me in decades. And I hear people say all the time about God, he's a speaking God. And we live off of every word that comes out of his mouth. And, and he's a communicating God. And I strain to hear, but all I hear is silence. So what do we do when one silent night turns into silent nights. There are some things that I think I need to try to share with you this morning because uh, I myself have experienced silent nights and I've learned some things. And, and so what do we do when we can't hear God? Everybody else hears Him. Don't you hate those people when you walk? You're in a, it's like, you, they're always saying, I heard God say, punch you right in the face because I've been asking God to talk to me for weeks and He ain't said squat. And now you're like that. I heard God tell me to eat ham this morning. Boom, right in the face because I can't hear God tell me about my children or about my health or about my finances or about my relationship. And you're hearing God about your ham? Y'all definitely, y'all ain't never run into those folks. I, I run into those folks. They tick me off. I, I just, uh, so some lessons. Please listen carefully this morning. I think this is a word for you. The first thing that I would say to you this morning is that you cannot confuse God's silence with his absence. For some reason, it seems to me that we trust our ears more than we trust our eyes. I'm going to say that again. For, for some reason, to me, what I've discovered is that we have a tendency to trust our ears more than we trust our eyes. So when we don't hear God, Regardless of what we see that should more than should sufficiently reveal his presence, the silence drives us to assume that he's gone. And so for whatever reason, although there are things happening in, and our, in our lives and around our lives, 
and we should have come to this place where we are able to see the revealed presence of God with our not only our spiritual eyes, but even with our natural eyes. We can, we can even say, man, I see God at work. But when the moment he goes silent for any period of time, we no longer trust our eyes and we depend solely on our ears. And we confuse his silence with absence. So, if I can't hear him, he must be gone. And if he's gone, then he must not care. And so the danger becomes this. I, I, I think this is a word for somebody this morning. The danger is that when he goes silent for any length of time, our lack of hearing causes us to attempt to fill his role. So we try to silence the silence with a substitute. So since I can't hear God, then what I'm going to do is now I'm going to listen to the most authoritative, loud voice in my life. That means since I can't hear from the King of Kings, I will settle for Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Bobo who doesn't have a clue how to live life. But because I can't hear God, now I listen to Uncle when he tells me how I should live. And we get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. When I ask God, God, how should I handle the finances in my life? And I'm struggling to make ends meet, and I don't know what to do. And he goes silent on me. Now I won't listen to him. I'll listen to, to somebody else that has failed miserably in their finances. But I'll take their advice because I'm just trying to fill the silence with the substitute. We do the same in relationships. That, that, that's, uh, that's what Saul did. Y'all remember the story? Saul, Saul hadn't heard from God in a long time. And you remember what he did? He got so desperate for, for God in a moment of silence. Even though he could have probably seen the re revelation of God's presence with his eyes, he became so desperate because he couldn't hear from God. Do you remember what he did? He went and got a word from a witch. Some of you run into some witches with some words too. Or maybe some warlocks. There are people in your life that are so loud and authoritative that when you can't hear from God, if you're not careful, you will substitute their word for his word because their word seems to be louder. And I'm trying to help you to understand this morning that if you're living in a silent season, you cannot confuse God's silence with his absence because just because you can't hear him doesn't mean he's not there. Go back. Before the 400 years of silence and what you discover is that right before God falls silent, God speaks clearly about his love for his people. You go back to Malachi chapter 1 and verses 1 through 5 and it is abundantly clear that God, even though he's going to go silent for 400 years, he, he precedes that silence with a message of his love. He says this, a message, God's word to Israel through Malachi, God said, I love you. You replied, really? How have you loved us? Look at history. This is God's answer. Look at how differently I've treated you. Jacob from Esau. I loved Jacob and hated Esau. I reduced pretentious Esau to a molehill. Turned his whole country into a ghost town. When Edom, Esau said, we've been knocked down, but we'll get up and start over. Good as new. God of the angel army said, just try it and see how far you get. When I knock you down, you stay down. People will take one look at you and say, land of evil and the God cursed tribe. Yes, take a good look. Then you'll see how faithfully I've loved you and you'll want even more saying, may God be even greater beyond the borders of Israel. 
See, his message was abundantly clear. Before he went silent, his message was clear. I love you. He was trying to tell the people that his silence doesn't reveal lack of love. I wonder how many of us struggle in silence because we forget the love messages he gave us before he went silent. Some of you are struggling in your relationship with God because you haven't been hearing from God, but you have failed to fall back and reflect upon the messages of love that he sent you before he ever went silent in the first place. The the, the last thing that God said should sustain us during a God silence. You need to stop and think about what did God say to you right before he fell silent. You need to chew on that. You need to reflect on that. You need to think about that. So that not only during the the, the silent nights you reflect back, you look at history and let his past, not your past, his past. You need to think about God's past. Let his past preach to you of his presence in the present, even when you can't hear it. If some of you would just stop and think about the past of God. How has he dealt so faithfully with you? How has he blessed you? How has he come through? I recognize that you can't hear him giving you a word this morning. And I recognize there are specific questions that you've posed to him. That he seems to be playing the silent game with you. But my question is not about the silence. My question is about his past. Because if he's been faithful in the past. You can rest assured that he will be, pre- he will be faithful in the present. And you can rest on that. And quit depending on your ears. Why? Because, well, the second thing I need to tell you this morning is that during a silent season, the stage is being set. May I I encourage you this morning and tell you, and I know this is a difficult truth to wrap your mind around. I've lived through this, but I'm beginning to recognize silence is nothing more than a setup. If things are quiet in your life and God doesn't seem to be speaking or interacting with you, can I encourage you this morning just to let you know that silence is nothing more than a setup. Let me, let me see if I can help you. See, during this 400 years of silence, from Malachi to, to the first word spoken in the New Testament, 400 years of deafening silence, God's not saying anything. There's no prophet, there's no preacher, there's no television evangelist, there's no, there's nothing. And yet, during this 400 years, God is working. Just a few things. Number one, Greek is instituted as the common and universal language. Up to that moment, up to that period of time, all these different languages were, were being spoken. People couldn't communicate with each other effectively. And in that 400 year period of silence, now uh, Greek is instituted as the common and universal language. And because of that, the Hebrew scriptures are now translated into Greek. And because they're translated into Greek, and it's the universal language, now the Jewish scriptures are... They now acquaint non-Jewish people with the principles of the Jewish faith. If if the, the, the word of God had not been translated into the common language, people would not have understood that a Messiah was supposed to be a coming. Okay, that's one thing. That didn't float your boat. I'm all right with that. The second thing that happens during that 400 years period of silence that's so crucial is that roads and free travel are established by Alexander the Great. Well, big whoopee-doo. 
that was huge. Because now when Jesus arrives on the scene, he has the ability to travel from one community to the other. And the disciples have the ability to take the good news to the far-flung regions of the world because there's an established method of transportation. But it's quiet. Well, how about this? Synagogues were built during this period of silence. And they become the central gathering places of worship. If the silence had not lasted so long, the synagogues would have not have been established. Now there would have been no central gathering places so that the good news could be voiced abroad. See, it was during the period of silence that God was orchestrating and setting the stage for a savior. That's why John says in his gospel, he makes this statement, it's a powerful statement that we try to skip over at times and we don't fully understand. He says, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. What does that mean? That means when things that were shrouded in silence were structured perfectly for Jesus' arrival, that's when Jesus showed up. So what does that mean for us? It means after a season of silence, God's greatest miracle is birthed. That ought to encourage somebody this morning because some of you have been going through some significant periods of silence and from God's proven track record, what he tells me about what I've read and shown to you is that silence is nothing but a setup. And if you're in a silent moment right now and it doesn't seem like you can get through to God, that ought to produce hope in you. Because if you are enduring a silent season, that must mean that you are on the brink of birthing something great in your life. God must be working behind the scenes, working in all the details, working out of the structure, shrouding you in silence, just setting the stage so that you can see the greatest miracle ever birthed in your life. That means your breakthrough is on its way. That means your healing is coming. That means that provision is coming. I want to encourage you this morning that if you are enduring silence, you are only being confronted with a pregnant pause. How many of you know pregnancy takes a little while? Okay, just want to make sure you hadn't forgotten. Just think they popped them out overnight. Ain't, ain't no way. Y'all, anybody that's endured that understands that pregnancy takes a little while. There is a, a, a season of, of preparation. And if you are in the middle of a quiet season, God's not gone. It's just a pregnant pause before your breakthrough arrives. So let me say it like this. Just my way of saying things. I know I, I say weird sometimes, but this is probably weird. But what that means this morning is that when God is not wording, God is working. When God is not wording in your life, you need to understand that behind the scenes, He's working. So what that means is that you cannot be afraid of silence. One, one guy said this, he said, non-Christians don't pray because they're afraid God will answer them. Christians don't pray because they're afraid God won't answer them. Y'all missed that. Did you get it? We're scared of silence. And we shouldn't be afraid of silence because if there's silence, God must be up to something working behind the scenes. And although we can't hear him, he's there. That's why Oswald Chambers so, said this, he says, has God trusted you with his silence? I've never thought about silence like that before. I always thought he plagued me with his silence. Now he's saying, has God trusted you 
with his silence. A silence that has great meaning. God's silences are actually his answers. His silence is a sign that he is bringing you into an even more wonderful understanding of himself. God help us to be people that can be trusted with silence. Because most of us, if we're not careful, when it goes quiet, we go crazy. We begin to do our own thing. I've already talked about that. We substitute. Okay. So hold on. Well, Steve, I've been praying for like nine months that God would answer. Hold on. God's working. That just means he's got nine months ahead of you already working behind the scenes. He's, 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 he's the puppet master. He's back there working this thing out and that thing out and setting this to place and this to place. And if you would just be quiet in the quietness, in the fullness of time. But he doesn't work at my speed. I recognize that. But at the fullness of time. You want the cake when, before it's all the way cooked? Anybody like a cake where it ain't all been mixed up and cooked and baked and stick the toothpick in it and nothing comes out of it? That, I want the, if I come to your house, don't serve me a half-baked cake or a half-baked piece of chicken or a half-baked steak. I want to show up at your house in the fullness of time. About the time it's about medium, but we want God to operate on our time. And we want the half-baked cake, and then when we get it, we're not satisfied. And so I'm just trying to convince you that if it is quiet in your life right now, just hang on. There's good news coming. And finally, I'll just tell you this. When God isn't using his mouth, he still uses his ears. Something broke when Luke shatters the silence in his account and he declares this, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So my question is, is what took place that, that, that caused God to shatter the silence at that moment? I, I think what caused God to break his silence is the cry of pe the, the, the people of God in desperation. I think that God had heard the people of God cry out, for, for the Messiah so strongly and they needed a, an answer so badly that at some moment in that equation, in the fullness of time, when he instructed it all correctly, he heard the desperate cry of the people. Let me paint the picture for you where, where things were. The, the pagan empires around them had begun to deteriorate and they were disintegrating. The pagan religions had fallen upon evil days. The people were sick of polytheism and the emptiness of their pagan faiths. The Jews had gone through times of pressure and they had failed in their efforts to reestablish themselves. And here it is, and the Jewish people had given up all hope. There was this growing air of expectancy that the only hope left, it's a pretty good place to get, the only hope left was that the Messiah that had been promised would show up. In the east, the oriental empires had come to the place where the wisdom and the knowledge of the past had disintegrated and they were, they, they were looking for something. That's when the moment came when the star rose over Bethlehem. The wise men of the east who were looking for an answer to their problems saw it immediately and they began to come out to seek the one it pointed to. So somehow, even though God wasn't saying anything, God was listening and when people got to the place that all of their hope was placed in God, Guess what? He showed up. 
Just because you cannot hear him doesn't mean he isn't hearing you. See, I realize that some of you, when you cry out to God, it seems like that your prayers are hitting the ceiling and they're bouncing back to you. And I understand that they're this, during this silent time with God, there, it seems like everything around you is falling apart and everything is failing and everything is floundering. And I recognize this morning that even though everything may be a, appear to be deteriorating and disintegrating in your life, then, then, then what I would say to you right now in this silent moment is, is that you've got to learn that you cannot trust your ears but you can trust his ears in fact I would offer to you as one of the greatest promises and truths we've ever been given was when the psalmist in Psalm chapter 34 verse 15 says this listen carefully if you're in a silent season right now please if you're silent night has turned into silent nights. Please. Listen to what David says in Psalm chapter 34 verse 15. He says this. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. What does that mean to me? That means that when I am in desperate need and my life is falling apart and people that were supposed to be with me all of my life have walked the other direction and where everything I've placed my trust in and my hope in and my dreams in have fallen in shatters around me and it's just completely falling apart and it doesn't seem like God even cares. I can rest assured that even though I don't hear Him, he hears me. His ears are always tuned towards us. So what should we do? We should cry out. In other words, what I'm trying to convince you this morning is that you endure the silence, but you don't give the silent treatment to God even when he's given the silent treatment to you. While you're going, see, some of y'all think that God's like your spouse. If they give me the silent treatment, I'm going to give them the silent treatment. They, I can outlast them, man. You're never going to outlast God. And even when he's given you what you think is the cold shoulder, which he's probably not. He's probably working for your good behind the scenes and you just don't know it. While you're enduring the silent treatment from God, I just wanted to encourage you this morning that the best way to deal with silent nights is to get loud. To praise harder than you've ever praised. To cry out to God like you've never cried out before. Show Him your desperation because God always responds to desperation. He always responds to people who cry out to God. Some of you have grown silent in the silent moment. And because of that, God's not doing anything. I just want to encourage you. We shouldn't have to stir you up to praise on Sunday morning. Even when you haven't heard from God in six long months. You ought to walk in this place and bust out a praise. And say, God, although I'm enduring a silent season I will not be silent about you because I recognize you listen to me you listen to me that means if your marriage is in shambles you can be loud with your spouse or you can be loud with the one that can do something about your spouse that means when your kids are crazy you can be loud and yell at them and they'll continue to do what they were doing word or 
You can get loud with God and say, God, I've trained them up in the way that they should go. And I need a breakthrough. And I need you to rescue them. And I need you to put protection around them. And I need you to put angels in charge of them. Don't let them make mistakes. You got to get, some of you, some of you can get mad with your employer. How dare you lay me out? How dare you furlough me? How, how dare, at Christmas, are you nuts? Or you can go to God and say, God, I've read in your word that your ears are attentive to my cry. And I've read in your word that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. And I don't see the breakthrough. And it's completely quiet all around me. And nobody's coming to my rescue. But I believe that if I cry out hard enough and long enough, I'll get your attention. I'll be like the the widow going to the judge's house and saying, i got to have justice. I'll keep knocking on the door. Even when you don't want to get up, God, I'll keep knocking on the door. Give me justice. i got to have justice. Hear me, God. God hears you. Even when he's not speaking to you. My concern this morning is simply this and then I'll stop. I know some of you are right smack dab in the middle of the most silent season of your life. What's next, God? You close this door, now I need a new door. And you're not saying, squat, God, what am I supposed to do? And I'm concerned for you because if you don't learn these lessons, you'll get yourself in trouble. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to pray for one another. See, here's the real challenge. Some people in this room right now are going through silent seasons, and they're sitting next to you, and you don't even know it. Things are loud in your life, but in their life, although they've been faking it and you don't know it, it's silent. And they can't for the life of them hear God. And they're beginning to even question whether God loves them or cares for them anymore. And they need somebody to stand with them in the silence. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I got 10 people in my life that are in a silent season. My movers, I know it's silent in their life because if they're not saved, then they're not hearing God. But there are people in this room that feel like it's silent too. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our movers. We're going to pray for one another. A couple requests that I want to make you aware of because you may not be aware of them. Uh, Sonia Hamilton's father is in... Uh, I guess what they would call a medically induced coma, I guess. He just had a, uh, a heart issue. It's a silent season. My cousin, so many of you have been reading about uh, Rick on Facebook through my dad's post, uh, received treatment for, for cancer in his throat and has been doing great, but this morning he woke up with a fever. He was supposed to be here, and that's not good. Um, Mike, getting ready to go in for a major surgery on, I guess, back or tomorrow on, on his back that can be a really silent season there are people in this room I can tell you their story some of them it's a silent time of year for them because while you're celebrating with all of your family they've got nobody and although it may not change the silence 
it makes it bearable when you know somebody's going through it with you. That's the whole thing. That's the whole reason God puts us in a body for one another. So I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to start this way. If you have your movers card, would you get it out? I'm going to pray over our movers, and then this is how I'll get out of your way, and Pastor Woody will come and close us. But I'm going to ask you to find people around you and spend just a few moments. You Steve, I don't like to ask them what's going on in their life. That's fine. You don't have to. I, you don't need all the details. God knows them. But I do want us to pray for one another and ask God to help us to walk through the silent seasons and not make mistakes. Because just because he's silent doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Let's pray. Father, this morning I bring my movers to you. These ten individuals that you've placed in my heart. People that I know don't know you. Some of them on my list have been in relationship with your son in the past and they've walked away. Others, I'm not sure they've ever had a relationship with you. But I know because they don't know you, as loud as their life may seem, the truth is, is that they're in a silent season. God, I'm praying that somehow, some way, you would speak clearly through me or someone else. And you give me the right word at the right moment. Or just let me be present in the right moment so that they see you and hear you. God, silent seasons give birth to the greatest miracles. I'm praying for the greatest miracle in their life. I pray that you would save them, bring them into relationship with you. And I pray that no substitute would satisfy and no attempt to drown the silence out of their life would be satisfactory until they turn to you. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. If, you, if you're here this morning, just real quickly, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then without a doubt it is a silent season. But we can end that silence quickly and easily. Not cheaply, but easily. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you recognize on this cold Sunday morning that it's time to surrender your heart and life to Him, then would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it right back down. We will not embarrass you. We just want to pray intelligently. I need Jesus in my life. Yeah, there's one. Anybody else that would say, I need Him to rescue me today. I need a relationship with Him today. He's here. He's here for you. We're going to pray as a body because we're in this together. And when the one leaves this morning, we're going to place materials in their hand to help them walk on the journey. We're in this together. Would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I'm thankful that you broke the silence. You came into this world to, to save us from sin. We acknowledge that you are the Lord of the Lords, the Son of God. We surrender our life to you. You died on the cross. You rose again so that we could have relationship in the silence of sin in our life. And let us hear from you. Let us live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And now, would you do this with me? Would you just... 
Father, the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust that there are people around you that God positioned you next to this morning that are enduring silence. And if they're not careful, they can make some significant mistakes. But God positioned you next to them this morning. And he's going to talk through you while you're praying for them. You just think you're praying to God and he's going to speak words through you to them. You're going to be Jesus with skin on. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and would you find three or four people and just huddle up with them quickly and just pray for one another. I want somebody especially with Sonia and with Mike and others in our body that are struggling and need prayer this morning. Would you move out and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit today?
Lord, you begin to cry out in desperation. my prayer this morning is simply this that we would begin to hear you again God I can't pray somebody out of a silent season that you're purposely putting them in a silent season and I wouldn't dare try because I don't want them to miss the fullness of time but this morning I pray that you would just assure them some way somehow that you're listening that you care that you're present. God, I pray that even in the midst of silence, I pray two things. One, I pray that we wouldn't be silent with you. We would become desperate in our praise, desperate in our attraction to you, desperate in our cry to you. And the quieter you become, the more vocal we will become with you. Letting you know that we're lost without you. Father, second, I pray that we would not make silly decisions thinking that you're absent. And God, I pray that the most vocal, authoritative voice in our life would not be a substitute for your word and what you said to us before you went quiet. I pray that we would lock in on your written word and we would lock in to what you spoke to us before and we would stay that course in spite of a witch with a word or in spite of an authoritative voice in our life that says something contrary to what you've already spoken to us. God, I pray that we would not fall prey to a substitute, but we would be clearly locked on what you said about us, even if you haven't said it in a long time. And we would be obedient to your last instruction until you give us new instructions. Make us faithful to that word, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, you may be seated for just a moment. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.